What's going on? Welcome to the AM Basketball Breakdown, where we talk everything hoops early in the morning. I'm your host, Adam Miller. It's time to hit the hardwood, so let's tip off this episode. Good morning. Happy Saturday morning. Welcome to another episode of the AM Basketball Breakdown. I'm your host, Adam Miller. I have a lot more free time on my hands right now with currently being in between jobs and starting a new job on February 12th. So I wanted to go ahead since I had some time this Saturday morning before my Saturday morning coffee group to just kind of share just my thoughts on a couple of things that have happened in the NBA the last couple of weeks. We are going to be talking about today in this week's episode about the Milwaukee Bucks and their recent coaching change, and also the MVP conversation around Joel Embiid and how that is going to affect his MVP race just with the new rules and his injury that happened a couple days ago with him. I'm not sure if he slightly tore his meniscus or fully tore it. I think they're currently working on a treatment plan and trying to figure out what the current game projection will be for him to miss going forward. I hope your Saturday is off to a really good start. Let's go ahead and dive into it. So yeah, the Bucks recently fired head coach Adrian Griffin, who posted a record of 30 and 13. The Bucks were one of the best offensive teams in the league. They had, at the time of the firing, the second best record in the league. But yeah, they decided they needed to make a change. They started off as one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Uh, Over time, they had slightly gotten better. But I believe ownership made the decision because they came to the conclusion of, hey, can this guy win us a title this year? And is he the right coach for us going forward? So let's take a step back a little bit and let's read through the tea leaves at the start of the year. Uh, Start of the year, Griffin and Terry Stotts, they had a lot of issues and Stotts decided to leave early and um, Griffin didn't always get along well with either Giannis. Um, Giannis making sort of like passive aggressive comments after games and even Bobby Portis um, making some interesting coaching comments right after the in-season tournament. Um, So yeah, it was clear somewhat that there wasn't a lot of buy-in from his players. And when that's not happening, like that's going to affect when you get down to April on whether or not um, you can make a push um, for the NBA finals once the playoffs start. Um, So yeah, not a lot of buy-in from his players. A lot of his defensive strategies weren't working. Um, I hope the best for Adrian Griffin. I hope he gets another chance. I think he probably deserves another chance with honestly just having the record that he had. And honestly, this seemed more like a decision um, upwards from ownership that I would say your star players probably signed off on. But anyways, they brought in head coach Doc Rivers. I'll miss hearing Doc regularly on the ringer. I thought he had really great insights on what was going on around the league, but I'm wondering in the end, was this the right decision? Um, Yeah, it's an interesting question because 
I think if you're looking at this year, in my opinion, I don't know if the Bucks have the team capable right now to win a title. And I don't think that they have the pieces that make a move to shore up a lot of their um, inefficiencies on the defensive end. Um, but yeah, I, I look at that and I'm like, okay, I feel like they are making this decision more um, for next season, just trying to find the right guy. I don't feel like they'd get rid of Doc after this year, even if they lost very early in the playoffs. But I think ultimately, if you're looking at this, not from this season, but for the following seasons, I think it was the right decision. But again, I don't think this team's problems can be solved in the defense on the defensive end. They've gotten a little bit better under Griffin, but they're still largely one of the um, worst defensive teams in the league. And yeah, once you get down to the playoffs, you need to get stops. And even when I look at their current team structure and cap structure. I was looking at it last night, just trying to figure out, okay, could you maybe trade Chris Middleton that has a salary of 29 million or even Lopez has a salary of 25 million. Um, just looking around the league and looking at current cap structures and also the Bucks don't have a ton of picks available. I think they mostly have second round picks that they can trade. And I don't see a lot of teams wanting to necessarily take filler uh, in order for something to be resolved so that they can be a little bit better defending on the perimeter. So if they're going to win a title this year, I don't think they're going to have an issue scoring. You have two of the better offensive players in the league and Giannis and Damian Lillard, but what can be done on the defensive end to help them late in games I wonder at the end of the game if it would help to have a player like Andre Jackson Jr. or not, well, I guess I am sort of throwing him under the bus a little bit, but anyone other than Malik Beasley on the court. Beasley, he has a defensive rating of 119.5 um, per game. And to help you understand maybe what a defensive rating means it's measured based on the number of points a player gives up for every possession. I was looking at just team defensive stats and I'm not saying the Bucks can get to a point of being the best defensive league like the Timberwolves, but I think this is a good exercise to kind of compare to uh, in this scenario. So the Timberwolves have a defensive rating of a little over 104 at this point. So if I took, um, just 100 possessions divided that. I mean, Minnesota is at like, I think 1.04. Um, I took just Beasley's defensive rating. He's at like almost 1.2. Let's just say we go with 50 possessions on that. You look at the math and Beasley himself, um, again, you're comparing team to player, but he's giving up almost an additional um, seven points when he's on the court. And I think this matters really when the game gets tighter, even around the playoffs, when it's going to be a lot harder for the Bucks to score. Um, maybe later in games, you see this all around the league. Um, the ref's whistle gets tighter, and you're not always getting the foul calls that you would have gotten um, during the regular season. So 
in summary, he's basically, he's a defensive liability if you have him on the court late in games. I even look at the Portland game from this week where I felt Milwaukee had the game in hand. And honestly, I'm looking at the end of the game. Beasley was on the court. Credit to him for being able to force a defensive stop and force a turnover late in the game. But even when the Bucks had the lead and that happened, Anthony Simons, he had the ball at the end of the game. And who was guarding him? Malik Beasley was guarding him. I think a lot of players are going to look at him when he's on the court and they're going to be like, all right, that's the matchup we want to take advantage of. We either want to get a one-on-one matchup with him or we're going to swing the ball around to put him in the defensive play. And yeah, Simmons was able to score on him late in the game and Portland was able to have a one-point lead and ended up winning by three. So I think of like key moments of that where I think there are options potentially for Doc Rivers to experiment, just trying something different, maybe having a player like Andre Jackson Jr., who is bigger, a little more athletic and quicker. He's not going to help you much with scoring um, like Malik Bleasley would late in the game, but he's going to provide more defensive versatility for you to get stops late in the game. But yeah, just in summary, like I think the Bucks are going to be able to like score late in games. I don't think that's necessarily going to be in a problem with them being able to generate offense, but are they going to have the players available or even make the defensive adjustments in order to complete for a title? I think those are questions just as I'm looking over the next few weeks and not necessarily the first few games that I think Doc Rivers could respond to. I think he's made comments on other media about that as well. So I'm interested to see what ends up happening with them. All right, next we are going to look at the um, MVP conversation, specifically around Joel Embiid. Just a little bit of background on this. The league changed their rules recently, this last summer, to where to be eligible for awards and all NBA, you have to hit a 65 game limit. I believe the goal with this was to prevent star players from sitting out and resting, but it also affects uh, just players if they're more injury prone or maybe have an injury and miss a huge chunk of the season. And yeah, they end up not being eligible for an award or an all NBA. So the question is, Joel Embiid, MVP season. This is his year, right? He is having a historically great year. Um, If you look at his MVP season from last year, he's averaging a little over two more points at this point. He had a 70-point game already this season. in that game, actually, he scored all those points in 37 minutes, and it was the quickest of any 70-point game, putting him above players like Kobe and Wilt Chamberlain. And I'm not comparing him um, to their players like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, but they didn't have a 70-point game. Um, yeah, just really historic stuff from Embiid this year where you look at his numbers and you're like, this is going to be like a historic NBA season, but 
is he going to end up hitting that 65 game limit for MVP? If you look so far at this year, he's played 34 games. And I was looking at this last night. If we take the percentage of the games that he missed so far this year and we apply it for the rest of the year, he'll end up playing 59 games. And I'm not, I'm not a medical expert at all. I've kind of been reading through to see if I can find any articles or even sometimes doctors will post online on Twitter or on YouTube um, just about a player's injury and what they think um, the timeline will be for him being out. I haven't heard anything. I think the Sixers are keeping this very close to the chest. They're going to just kind of undergo, I think, treatment this weekend and kind of have a more firm diagnosis on that. Then again, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know how these injuries always work, but if we just look at the games that Embiid's missed so far this year and look at their remaining games and the games that he's already played, he would only be able to miss five more games for the rest of the season to hit that 65 game limit. So this injury, I mean, whether or not it is long-term in the short term, it's more than likely going to cause him to miss the amount of games. And to be honest, I've been over the years, I've been the biggest critic of Embiid just based on his postseason play. I think when you get in later rounds and especially when series get later, um, he is not always in the best game shape and if a team wants to run on him he actually becomes a little bit of a defensive liability but again I think he's having a very historic season and I think he should be rewarded for that and I don't feel that the league is going to change their stance on the 65 game rule like let's say Embiid plays like 58 or 60 games this season I don't see them changing their stance this year, but I could honestly, I could look at this and see their next season, maybe not for like all NBA, but specifically for some of the more, well, I wouldn't say defensive player of the year. That might be a stretch, but I could see for like MVP, the award that honestly a lot of people care about. I think I could see them changing the game limit rule for that to prevent situations like this from happening in the future but honestly we're in a spot now where it's like okay Embiid is not going to be eligible this year let's look at just based on like current betting odds and current favorites like who are the favorites right now to win MVP we look obviously at Nikola Jokic he's having a much better year um, this year than he did last year where Honestly, a lot of people, um, I don't know, maybe would have thought that he actually deserved the award, but Embiid got it last year because he really deserved it the year before. I don't know what goes on in these voters' heads, but there seems to be not a ton of, I would say, maybe consistency going on. But yeah, he's having a much better year. He's averaging 26.3 points per game. 12.1 rebounds and nine assists per game. But then again, he wins again this year. He'll be a three-time MVP. The narrative last season was, is there going to be voter fatigue again 
around Nikola Jokic winning an MVP. Or if we look at the person that has the second best odds and probably the second favorite at this point, is it time to give the award to a new young player and new young face of the league? I'm looking at Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The Thunder are right now the two seed in the West. He's averaging 31.3 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 6.4 assists, and they have a better record than Denver right now. I could see if they decide to go a different route other than Embiid, this coming down to a situation between Jokic and Shea. And honestly, I could realistically see um, Shea winning this award. I put a small, like, small, just prop bet on Jokic winning this award at the beginning of the year. But yeah, I could realistically see um, Shea end up getting this. Honestly, he is a great player. His stats back that up. But kind of with the narrative that I talked before, where voters kind of get tired voting for the same person, I think Shea is more than deserving to win MVP. And especially if the Thunder end up finishing um, above Denver in the Western Conference. But yeah, just an interesting scenario to think through. It seems more than likely that Embiid is not going to hit that 65-game limit um, for MVP, and it could honestly make for a very, um, let's say, rabid, but you could see a lot of debate coming from a lot of um, other sports podcasts or other sports outlets on whether or not he should get the award anyway. And if not, like who's the next best option? I think that'll be the discussion going on in the next couple of months, but thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to me talk on a Saturday morning, just for some of my thoughts around the NBA. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like and subscribe and give this podcast a five-star rating. That would be much appreciated as I have a little more time off from work for starting a new job. I'm going to try to get on here a little more just as I have a little more flexibility and a little more time available, but I always love just jumping on here for a little bit and just talking hoops, but I hope you have a good Saturday and yeah, hope to be back on soon talking about the sport and the game I love. Thanks again. See you later.